0: You've survived the worst, trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is your pain can be a crutch or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I have a really good friend of mine that followed me along my journey over the last couple of years that I want to introduce to you today, Seth Morzowski. He is 29 years old, a prior and former deputy with the Polk County Sheriff's Department in Polk County, Florida. He became a canine handler after his second year in and did that up until 2020. He also started two businesses, Valor Working Dogs, as well as Paul Manners Dog Training, which he currently does now. And over the past 12 to 13 years of his life, he was a devout, outspoken, profound atheist. And we are going to dive in that today because there's been a transformation in his life over the last couple of months that he has now come out out in the open and is spoken even highly more, spoken about this than he was in his atheist and he has found Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, and I'm excited to have him on the show today. Seth, thank you so much for coming on board, and welcome.
2: Hey, Joe, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome. Brother, I want to dive right in. You... This is probably the first episode I've ever had a really, even a really in-depth talk to, with somebody that is a profound atheist. A lot of people are closed off. They're outspoken about what their beliefs are, but anytime it goes in anywhere else beyond that, as anything that doesn't along line along with their beliefs, they're very closed off or can be very argumentative. So this is a great conversation that I'm excited to have today. But Seth, what? You said you've been an atheist for the last 12, 13 years, but what brought you to that point? What was your childhood like that brought you to that? I think it's
2: as with everybody, it starts off as being agnostic. So I would say that true, outspoken atheist is probably more around the last eight years, eight, eight to 10 years, and agnostic before that, and kind of trying to figure out what was which way I was going. But my childhood growing up, my parents split when I was two. I saw my mom, of course, my mom pretty much raised me. I saw my dad here and there. Probably should have seen more, but I don't think that was his fault. My first stepdad, great guy, took on a, a father role, but him and my mom had a very physical and verbally abusive relationship. The most, One of the most vivid memories I have is a dispute between him and her when I was a kid driving back from a movie theater and going to my aunt and uncle's house. And they got into it and my mom had been getting her butt kicked pretty bad. And then they went on. And yeah, there was good times too, but he always had a lot of aggression issues. So like growing up, we were never, I was never really showed to deal with my problems by any other way but aggression or anger and never really shown compassion. We didn't do the whole I love you thing, this, that, and the other growing up. So then they divorced later on. I got a second stepdad who had a horrible drinking problem. Same thing. He would get in a mood, whatnot. He'd, He'd go to drinking. And it got to a point where as a teenager, I was stepping between him and my mom because I remember stuff that her and my first stepdad went through. So I was going through high school, just dealing with that and just dealing with the fact of one step after another. And I think looking at it now, hindsight 2020 is always better. I think that I can jack my mind up a little bit as an adult and probably ultimately is one of the things that led me to law enforcement. Just seeing that stuff as a kid, it was about junior year of high school that I decided I'm going to be a cop, like it's going to happen. And even as a cop, my I would say the thing that always got to me the most was anything to do with kids, of course, but like domestic disputes, like I couldn't stand going to like domestic batteries and stuff like that like I always just hit home with me as a kid and I never really saw like a functional relationship so I never we didn't really go to church a whole lot as a kid it wasn't until I met my daughter's mom when uh, we were 16 I was trying to get brownie points with her parents so I'd go to church with her and her, she was raised in a church and I mean her family and is is probably the picture perfect American family in my opinion um, now but they raised her in church and she went to church growing up as a kid and so that was the thing to do here I am coming in and trying to score brownie points with the parents. So I was going to church with her and I was trying to go through the rhythm and try to go through the motions. And I think at one point, like I maybe was in the middle, of swaying back and forth of agnostic and Christianity. That atheist agnostic way is super easy, man. Like it's so easy. Like it's uh, self-gratifying, it's fun and it's easy. Like being a Christian I'm learning now is not, not easy. You're constantly <laughs> tried and you're constantly tested. But like I would say, that's what the childhood, I think it had a lot to do with it and just constant negativity and constant, up until recently, like, I had a hard time like, telling people, I would say until my daughter was born, when well, she's two and a half, but I had a hard time like, telling people I love them. Yeah. And outside of her, like, I really haven't told many people I love them at all. So yeah, I think the childhood had quite a bit to do with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. At what point, so you're now going to church to score the brownie points. What happened from there? How does that transpire from there?
2: So, of course, I start falling out of church and I became a deputy at 19 years old, which is looking back now way too young for anybody to ever become a cop. You're so young at that point in time. Your mind's so fragile, I think, that you grow up. Like 19 years old, I didn't work for a little bitty town. I worked for a very large, one of the largest canine units in the state of Florida. I mean, it's a huge agency. So right off the bat, 19 years old, you're seeing, and I, I get people go to war and stuff like that, but maybe I just wasn't meant to handle it. So I don't think it worked for my mind, but I stopped going to church at some point. My daughter's mom, we didn't have my daughter yet, of course. She kept going here and there, but ultimately she stopped going as much as she should have or completely, and I ultimately was because of me, I think. And I think I pulled her away from that. And as I got into law enforcement, I just, it got worse. As time went on, it got to the point where I was no longer agnostic, like I was full blown. There is no God. How can there be a God? How can God let any of this happen? How can God do anything? And then I got into K-9. And it started getting stronger. There's a lot of atheists in law enforcement, like it, that. I think that profession, that and probably even military, fosters it quite a bit. So I started getting around people who had the same beliefs, and I noticed that my beliefs started to really go towards like hardcore atheists. And we're probably four or five years in the law enforcement now, probably three or four years in the law enforcement now, and it got to the point man, where I was starting to notice I was criticizing people for being Christians, like they would pray or they would, you know, talk about God. I'd, you guys are crazy, like. And it started off very subtle. And I started doing it to my daughter's mom. And my daughter's mom has been my biggest supporter since we were 15, 16 years old. And it got to the point where I was belittling her. It got to the point where I was belittling my friends. It got to the point where I was belittling family members that believed in Christ. And to the point where I was talking down to them, i like, you're a moron. Like, how, how do you believe in something that doesn't even exist? How can you say that you put God before your family? I used to always say that I was God. I could make life, change life, take life. I could forgive. I could forget. I'm God. We're all around God. You know, it's my daughter's mom and I were together for 13, 14 years. I never got married to her because I always said the Bible is what tells you to get married. The book of lies is what I call the Bible. The book of lies tells you to get married. You should never, why get married? It's what God wants you to do. There's no such thing as God. That's all a bunch of baloney. uh, So as the time went on, I started, I got my FDLE standard and I started teaching canine schools and headed up training in canine. That's why I really like looking back now, of course, in the time I was like, I was doing the right thing. I was on spot. But looking back now, I see that's when I really started to to preach atheism. And on my shift you're in the dog world and canine, the canine handlers are usually the leaders of the shift. And so guys in the shift, they would start talking about God sometimes and I would stop it. I'd be like, you guys are morons. There's no such thing. There's, you no know, God doesn't exist. I don't know why you believe in that free will. Why worry about sin? This free the life of free will and atheism is fun. Like you do whatever you want. And you drink when you want. You party when you want. You have nobody to answer to. You do your own choices. And I just really started preaching on my shift, and the, the belittling got horrible, and the mocking of Christians got horrible. I was refusing to go to church. And then, so the darkest I got was probably 2018 to 2020. So. 2018, I started really pushing friends away. Like I started, got to the point where my daughter's mom, like we were living together and like, I knew she saw the good in me. Like I knew she saw the good in me. I knew she uh, wanted the best for me. I knew she loved me. I knew that she was supporting me. I knew she was fighting for me. And I also knew my two best friends were fighting for me in the same feelings, but I didn't want that. Like that to me made me vulnerable. Here I am a cop. Like I fix people's problems. I fix people's issues. How am I to get get told that i need help they were telling me i need to find christ go to church i needed therapy like they're like you need professional help you've got crap wrong with you and uh, I, looking back now i start realizing that even like canine apprehensions it got to the point where that was become like anything dark and violent started becoming like erotic it became like anything that had of course now satan involved in it just became fun to me drinking violence aggression hatred pushing people away belittling people like i was becoming this of course, now I I was becoming this like demon, like I was becoming this little bitty like demon person, you know what I'm saying? And I loved it. I, I truly like looking back, I was like, this is great. This is a fun life. I do whatever I want. I'm, I'm invincible. I'm untouchable. I created this Superman complex and it was getting dark and dark. And then 2019, it just kept escalating. It got to the point where it was bad and I started drinking heavily. Like I started drinking pretty hardcore. And I've always, since I was 21 22, I've always went out and socially drank, but end of 2018, 2019, I started drinking heavy. I started drinking, there was times I would drink a whole bottle of Jameson or, and it kept on, it kept on. If I wasn't in a patrol car working, I was most likely half tanked, if not tanked. And the problems, what started the drinking is because I knew, I saw that the relationship between my daughter's mom and I was coming to an end. I saw that, I saw the issues, like I was starting to see little issues in my life that I'm like, what in the heck's going on, man? Something's got to go. But I just, I kept running towards that dark side because that dark side is so inviting. I, it got to the point where I was listening to satanic music. I would listen to ghosts. I would listen to different satanic bands just because it was, there's power in worship with music. And it was yeah. getting to the point where I was just, I'd be at work I was listening to just crazy stuff you shouldn't be listening to and looking into like satanic things, like looking in Google searching satanic stuff and this, that any other and like the atheism like I was having deep in-depth conversations with other atheists that was really leading to this even being darker and darker and then like I said the drinking started all through 2019 the drinking was pretty heavy I was noticing my daughter was young my daughter was young at the time of course she was about one at the time and I drank less than one one at the time and the drinking was going and my daughter's mom would stay at home with her and I kept drinking and drinking and pushing my daughter's mom away. And I just, you know, treating her like garbage. Just, it just wasn't a good time. I told her, I like it. This was horrible to her, honestly. And uh, pushing my friends away. There was times I, one of my best friends, my best friend, I didn't talk to him much for a whole year because they're all trying to get me help. They're all trying to get me to Christ. They were all, especially my best friend. He would always talk about Christ. He would always try to get me to see what he sees and what other Christians see. And I didn't want that. I, I, I love being on this other side. I love being complete, 180, living where I was living with this atheism, borderline satanic, and I just loved it. Like, I craved it. And so as 2019 came to a close, my daughter's mom left with my daughter for Texas in February of 2020. I remember having a talk with her. She was like, Seth, she's pretty much like, you're self-destructing, you're just destroying us, you're destroying our family. You're, I, I don't want the, our daughter around this. And she said, it's, I just, it's not, it's, she doesn't need to be around this. I don't need to be around this, et cetera. She's like, I can't take the atheism no more. I remember looking at her in her face. I said, not you nor anybody you believe in or any God or any person you know is ever going to make me change my mind. They're never going to make me, um, never going to make me change my mind. We, I said it to her right here in the living room. And I was serious about it. And I said it arrogantly. I said it cocky. I said it, I wholeheartedly believed it. About 36 to 48 hours later, I was in the backseat of a FHP patrol car. I'd been arrested for DUI. And there's a lot of people that know kind of a story and they're like, oh, being arrested is what is what led you to Christ. It's what made you become a Christian. You're a crutch Christian. You're this, you're that, or another. The month after getting arrested, it was a complete opposite, man. Like I got darker than ever. You know what I'm saying? Like it got to a point where I was shutting everybody out. I wasn't eating. The only reason I was eating at all is because my daughter's mom was still here and she was making sure I would eat. She was making sure I would drink. She had friends coming over. My best friend was here. They were, some of them were staying the night. And just to make sure I didn't self-destruct because here I am, I'm like, okay. So since I was 19, I've been a cop. Since I was 15, 16, I've always had my daughter's mom around as support. Here I am, these best friends I've had for the last, all of my adult life, I'm pushing them out. And like, here I am, like everything's just crumbling at the seams. I'm like, what do I turn to? Who do I go to? What do I do? I kept going towards that dark side. And in the beginning of March, 2020, I had enough, man. I was just like, my daughter had left. My daughter's mom had taken my daughter to school that morning when she left for school. I had been contemplating for a few days. And finally, I just, I made a decision. She left that morning to take my daughter to school and go to work. And I went in the bedroom and I had made the decision. I was just going to commit suicide. Like I was just going to, um, finally, do it. I was, it. Like it felt like every time I went outside like, the store, everybody was looking at me like, "Oh, there's that drunk cop." And my family, I felt like I had let her right down. I'm thinking to myself, one day I'm going to explain this to my daughter. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So, the beginning of March 2020, I, I went in, after they left. I went into the bedroom. I put a little note on the door that said, "Don't come in. Call 911." And it took me about two hours. I went to the bedroom. and got a Glock out, and I sat in my bed for probably uh, anywhere from an hour to two hours, and just essentially building up the confidence to do that. And after a short period of time, after about the hour or two hours, I finally made a decision and put the gun to my head. And I can't tell you honestly, but in my mind, I think I had, I know I was pulling the trigger, squeezing off on the trigger, but I think I had at least the first stage out of the Glock. These Glocks have two stage triggers. And then the crazy thing was, my phone was on a nightstand and three people texted me that day or right at that time. And my phone started lighting up because the texts were coming through. And that was just enough to like, make me look over and pull my mind off of it for a minute. And one of the people that had texted me, I had talked to three days prior when I was out for a walk. But up until three days prior, I hadn't talked to that guy a few years on text message. Like I didn't even have his number three days prior. And honestly, I hadn't even stored it yet. It just came up as a number. So I looked at it and it was that guy that I talked to a few days later. And he's like, hey, I just want to check on you, make sure everything's okay. And then my two best friends text me right after that saying, hey, are you good? How are you doing today? Do you need anything? And the next text was my second best friend. He pretty much the same thing. You want to get together later on. What do you got going on tonight? And for me, that was from at that point in my life, that was the first time like I had ever seen like Christ. Like I was like, I remember putting the gun down. I'm like, holy crap. God does exist. Like this isn't just a coincidence. Like God exists. Like God's real. God is real. So here I am. I, I take the note off the door. I can't exactly remember what I did with the note. I think I went outside and just burned it or something. But I can't honestly say. So I get up, I put the gun away, and then go for a walk. Cause that's what I was doing at the time. I was walking a lot. And my personality still at the time, I can't tell nobody I'm wrong. Of course, now that's changed, but at that point in time, I can't tell nobody you're wrong. Like I'm not gonna go to you and be like, hey Joe, I know I've preached all this atheist stuff to you, this, that, and the other, but I'm wrong. So here yeah. I am. I call I call myself a closet Christian at that point. So yeah, uh, you know, that's what I call it now. I'm like, I was like a little closet Christian. And so all these emotions start flooding into me at one at, at the same time. And I completely crumbled. Like I completely and literally crumbled okay so all the beliefs I had for this many years all this crap I've told people all the belittling and showing my butt and just being a complete jack wagon like it's coming to light and like it's tearing me apart here I am never shown emotion mind you I mean, I went years and didn't tell people except for my daughter that I loved them and stuff like that I just didn't really do that but that wasn't that compassion wasn't really my thing emotion wasn't really my thing if I had a problem I always either got angry or violent or just acted a fool so I have that, like these emotions starting to come through, like I'm questioning my beliefs about God and religion, um, looking at my friends, thinking, oh, my God, I've destroyed relationships. And ultimately, even for months after that, like that turned into a problem because like, it got to a point like my daughter's mom, I can't even look at her. Like when I would look at her, like I got nauseous to my stomach is like, I resented her almost because um like, here she is supportive, done all this cool stuff for me, didn't turn her back on me one time. But here I've been for years, a jerk. I've been a jack wagon. They're my best friend. Same thing. It's all they wanted for me was the best. But here I am being a jack wagon to them. And I didn't want to see it. I, I just felt so embarrassed and so broken and beat down. You know what I'm saying? That I couldn't even look at them. My daughter's mom ended up taking me to the church she had been going to. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll go, whatever. I'll, I'll go listen to this crap. And uh, my best friend and his wife went there as well. Both my best friends and their wives went there as well. So I went there walking into this church and I'm like, oh, this is junk, whatever. Uh, But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, there's something to this. Like I've got to, but I can't let nobody know I was wrong. Like I'm too prideful at this point in time.
1: And let me interrupt you. When you had, when you were at the moment of getting ready to commit suicide and then those text messages come in, did you feel like an overwhelming presence of God? Did you feel like something was changing internally? And then, of course, you were denying it to everybody, but did you, in the midst of denying it to everybody, because you couldn't show that you were wrong, were you feeling anything inside of you knowing that I, I am wrong and this is the right journey? I just can't admit it yet.
2: 100%. So I go for my walks. Like I have this little like this path I would walk and I would just do, I don't know, however many laps I would do until I got tired. And it's a two mile old path. I'd go off on these walks. And at that point, like I started trying to pray and like looking at prayer and seeking prayer and on my own accord not letting other people really know I was doing it and not really but yeah I, like I started to find like peace in it and I started to find like things were becoming much easier in my mind and I found peace in my walks with prayer but I didn't feel like an overwhelming sense of God at the time I just felt like, oh crap and maybe that was the sense of God is the oh crap factor like I'm wrong because at the time like the biggest fear to me was being wrong I don't want to tell what I was being wrong I've been preaching all this cool stuff to people for so long and here I am, I'm wrong. Like, I, I know now that I'm wrong. You know, well, I knew then at that point in time, like, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm wrong. Like, God's real. So I wouldn't say it was like an overwhelming sense of feeling of God. I had that later on recently, but it wasn't at that time. Gotcha. So the first church session I went to, or a sermon I went to, the preacher brought out all this luggage. And I've recently actually just had lunch with this uh, this preacher, and we went to a barbecue place, and I told him, and I was like, hey, this is what this is, and it's pretty cool, and I appreciate it. but. He brought all this luggage on stage. I was like, what the heck is he doing? But he's talking about carrying your bags at the airport and how much of a pain in the butt it is. And he's like, God doesn't want you to carry his baggage. And I felt like this guy was like talking to me only. Like I was sitting in this room. I'm like, This dude, like, there's nobody else in this room. This guy's talking to me. And so it started that oh crap factor a little bit. And
1: Welcome to being a child of God.
2: <laughs> I'm like, like at one point in time, like I felt like there was nobody else in the room. Like it was just me and him, and like, there was a spotlight on him. And I almost felt like I was fanboying a little bit. I'm like, okay, like this, this is in sync back in the nineties. Like, all right, here we are. So like, that was a good time. And then we had one more session after that and then the COVID hit and they went to the online stuff and my daughter's mom and I would once in a while watch it on TV and I would kind of be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. I'll watch it later. But I'd be on my phone later on, watch these like by myself because again, I'm still to the point where I'm like, uh, I can't be really letting people know that I was wrong and I'm this and that.
1: And, nobody had a clue yet. Your friends, your baby. I think they had
2: a little clue because I would say stuff like, oh yeah, let's, let's go to church. Or oh, when's church starting back? Or oh yeah, like I'll watch it. So I think they, it was so extreme at one point in time. And then even little things like that, I think they knew. My friends aren't morons. They're pretty smart people. My daughter's mom's highly intelligent. Her parents are highly intelligent and one of my biggest support groups. So I think they knew. I think they had an idea. So time passed and she started the process of moving out of the house, which kind of set me back a little bit. I started messing my head a smidge. And she, right before she left is when I started really coming out that I was seeking God and I was looking for God. And I was trying to build this relationship with God and when uh, really trying to find that walk with him. I remember one of the guys I taught in canine school. Matter of fact, uh, he's a canine healer now, but he's also a youth pastor down in Bartow. Uh, youth pastor, assistant pastor. And Barto and I called him on the phone. I was like, "Hey, dude," I said, "We need to get lunch. There's something I want to talk to you about. And I can't really do it over the phone." And uh, this is about the same time she's moving out. I said, so we went to this little Mexican place around here. It's called Abuelos, and we met up during his Canine School. That dude caught the the complete crap side of me. Like I mocked this dude. He I knew as a pastor, so I'm all up in his mix. I'm just bashing him for being Christian. I'm bashing him. Apostle Paul to the max, and like Apostle Paul on steroids. Yeah. And uh, I'm just bashing this dude. you. So we go to Abuelo's and I said, Hey, I, I didn't want to do this over text. I said, but I'm really sorry. And I'm I'm really sorry. And I feel like a, a, a jack wagon for even being like this. And so like since then, him and I had breakfast this morning. Since then, him and I became actually pretty close. We try to get breakfast at least every other week. But this dude is crazy because i talked to him this morning about my current struggles, things I'm battling in faith. And just normal stuff and he was like what's crazy is is last night at our at church because they make notes every night of church and he's like i have the notes for you and i think you're gonna be surprised of what it is and like i was telling him this morning i was like you can i said lately i really feel the devil just working on me i feel like he's trying to put wedges in between relationships i feel like he's you know trying to work at me like hard and he was like i, I got these notes for you and it was all about how the devil has no authority over you how satan has nothing but going back to a little bit past, so my daughter's mom started moving out, and like that's when I really started to seek God. I started really relying on God and looking for answers. And then our church opened back up. They had our soft openings, and I went to the first soft opening, and it was like the same thing. It was like every time I hear this pastor preach, it's like dude's talking directly to me. It's like every time. Like sometimes I really feel like I'm the only person in the room with this guy. And so church started back, and they had an Easter service. So what a, a month ago Easter service, but it was on Saturday, and I'm one of those guys like. We go to a crowd, like I'm always looking who's passing me and I'm always um, sitting in the back by myself and stuff like that. So I'm at the Saturday night church, Easter service at church. And I knew what he was going to say. Cause he's like with every eye closed and every head bowed. If, if you want to accept uh, Jesus, your Lord and savior, raise your hand. And I think knowing what he was going to say, I think before he could get the words out of his mouth, man, I threw up my hand so fast. And I was just like, and that's probably the time I had an overwhelming sense of God. Like Probably the first real time that I've been like, just like the overwhelming, it felt like your entire body's asleep, like the little tinglies all over And just, like, I even feel like I put my hand up, like my hand just shoots up and I'm like, oh, so I, that was what, around April 8th. It was a Saturday before Easter. After that, they always give connect cards in the, in the brochure. So I fill out this connect card, drop it in the box. And uh, I start this process. We have a process at our church called the Next Step Classes. So it's a two-week thing where you go to a class and they talk to you about baptism, what the church is about, and just give you an in-depth, just really talk to you, make sure your heart's in the right spot. And so I start the Next Step Classes, and then I made a decision the week of April 25th to get baptized. Wow. And the week leading up to my baptism has probably been, out of everything that's happened in the last year and a half, probably the worst week. I think I've ever had in my life. I know other people have had much, much worse, but that week was such a battle. It was such like a mental battle. I remember leaving my baptism meeting. So you had the two classes and then that Sunday before, the Sunday before you get baptized, I had a baptism meeting. It was at five o'clock. I left that baptism meeting and from five o'clock till 10 minutes before I got baptized on the next Sunday on the 25th, man, that week was garbage. There was times I'm like, I'm not getting baptized. It's just not the time. Like, I'm not every single day. It was something. Sunday night it started. Be honest with you. So Sunday night after my baptism meeting, it started. I did some nonsense I shouldn't have done. Reacted to some news negatively that I shouldn't have reacted to like that. And I made some decisions that weren't the smartest. Monday and Tuesday I relapsed for two days and stayed trash. Like I was trash those two days. Like started drinking again those because. I always I've drank heavily on emotion whenever I get like angry or mad like I suppress it self medicate with alcohol so the those two days that Monday and Tuesday again stuff happened both days I got my own head I said "I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start drinking I'm only gonna drink beer and I'll be fine ended up getting trashed both nights Wednesday night Wednesday I woke up and I'm like no you can't be drinking it you gotta stop so I stopped drinking again I haven't drank since but Wednesday more news Thursday more news Friday, more stuff popped up. Like that whole week, it was just constant. Like I'm like, I remember saying, God, how much more can I take? This is getting to the point where it's crazy. Friday, Saturday, and this stuff involves other people. I wish I could go depth into it, but it involves other people's personal lives as well. I don't want to really get too much into that. But then Sunday in the changing room, it's probably 945. I'm in the changing room at the church. Like our church has always, it's like beautiful church. It has amazing changing areas for you to get changed before your baptism You go up on stage. So I'm sitting there changing. I'm excited. Half of the canine, well, I should say half, a large part of the canine unit was there. My old canine supervisors were there. I had canine handlers in uniform. My daughter's mom's parents are there. My friends and family are there. I knew all these people were there. And then I get a text message um, from my daughter's mom saying she wasn't coming to the baptism. And like, to me, yeah, I get we're not together, but that that really messed my head a little bit because I was like, okay, I get it. But we've always been... We've always been like best friends. Like we've always been close. And she pulled huh?
1: She was your rock, your support system.
2: Yeah, 100%. Even when I was doing stupid stuff, even when I turned my back on her, she was always my support system. And she pulled so hard and fought relentlessly to help me get to this spot. And at 9.50, she texts me and she's like, hey, I didn't have time to get ready. I'm not coming. And man, I tell you right now, like that messed with my head. Not even from... A relationship standpoint, just from a, a strictly, that's, that was the person, she put a lot of effort to get me to that point. And that, like you said, that was my rock for 13, 14, 15 years. And so that messed my head, man. I remember that was 10 minutes before I went on, we were supposed to go on stage. We were supposed to start lining up in about 10 minutes. And I got that text message. I have a screenshot on my phone at 9.50 in the morning. And I think I went on stage. It was probably 20 minutes. So 10, 10, I think is when we started walking out. And I'm telling you all the way up until that 20 minute time frame before I got baptized, dude, it was just... Every single day, everything from the last year and a half I've been working on to get me to that exact spot, I had relapsed. The drinking relapsed with for two days, the drinking relapsed, mental things relapsed, nothing like suicide or anything, but like anger issues relapsed, just a lot of stuff. I wish I could go a little bit more depth about it, but a lot of stuff relapsed that I had battled for like the last year and a half, all in that same week, like every one of my some of my biggest fears came to light that week and I remember walking out I, I teared up in the changing room and I walked out to the stage to get baptized and I walked into that that the tub they had like this huge oh it's huge like tub thing and filled with water and everybody like like oh the water is kind of cold <laughs> get prepared I remember stepping in that water man I didn't even feel the water Like I'm the biggest sissy on the planet with cold water I love the scuba dive um, I haven't been like a year, but when I was scuba diving quite a bit, like I could go to the Keys and need a wetsuit. That's how bad I hate cold water. Like it could be 80 degrees in the water and I need a wetsuit. <laughs> like I'm like terrified. I'm like, man, this water is going to be ice. Like I'm going I'm to freak out. I had all this on my mind with the text message in the past week. And am I doing the right thing? Am I this? And uh, I walk into this water and I'm like, I don't feel anything. Like I'm pumped. Like I'm like, it feels like you're getting ready to go in the woods and find a guy with a dog. Dude. Like it's amazing. Like the feeling I had. And Pastor Sean, he said stuff. I I honestly don't remember a whole lot of what he said. I was just like, yeah, yeah. I, I knew he had already told us what he was going to say. I knew he was asking if you accepted the Lord, and, you know, Jesus said, your personal savior. And I was like, yeah, me, come on. Because I was so excited. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. So as soon as he dumped me in that water, like I came out and I don't know what came over me. Like I threw my hands up and, and that's not usually me. Usually I'm a much more reserved person and I don't show a whole lot of emotion. And man, I threw my arms up and it felt like 20 elephants had been lifted off my chest at that point in time. I no longer care that My daughter's mom wasn't there. I, for that point in time, I didn't care what happened during that week. At that point in time, I didn't care who came to watch my baptism. Like, I didn't care. Like, my mind was so free and so clear and my chest was so light. Like, I was like, oh my God, I can breathe again. And so thankful. And I remember just like hugging the pastor's neck and I'm like, dude, thank you. And he's like, I love you, brother. And I'm like, man, thank you. You know, thank you. And uh, since then, man, like ever since I got baptized and this journey I'm on, a lot of people that know me, personally and closely. They're like, I've never seen you so passionate about something since before dog training. Once I started training dogs when I was younger and they're like, I've never seen you have fire like this for something, not jujitsu, not shooting, nothing. Just this, like, this is and since then, I feel like I just, I can, I pray. I feel like I, half my day is spent praying. I'm like, I do it so much, but like, I can see God working and I can see these prayers being answered and I can see, I can see the work he's doing and the people he's putting in my life and just the things happening. I started with a therapist a while back, and that guy's been a godsend. Like that guy himself is a straight gift from God. You know what I'm saying? It's, I, I'll use this one example. I, I always told my daughter's mom when we were together over the years, I was always like, oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Things are going to be better. Things are going to be better. I'll, I'll go to church. I'll do this. I'll do that. We'll get married one day. Always angled a little carrot in front of her face, but I never had any intentions on changing. Like I never had any intentions on being better. I never had any intentions on being a Christian. I never had any intentions on leaving my atheist ways. I never had any intentions of that. This guy I've been following lately, Jacob Peterson, he says, essentially, he says, you'll never really want to change until you are terrified of the monster that lives inside of you. And people have to go to a dark place. And I see that now. Hindsight 2020 is always better. Like people have to go to a dark place to see the light sometimes. Like you have to let it get real dark to see that light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what I had to do. I had, I think I had to see how horrible of a person I really was and how horrible that monster really is and become terrified of it to truly want change this time. And every day I can feel my faith grow. Every day I can feel, and I have the best support system on this planet. I, I couldn't ask for a better support system. I couldn't ask for better friends who pushed me for this journey. I couldn't ask for a better family that's pushing me. My I just couldn't ask for a better support system. It's great and it's, it's crazy coming from the other side because I was telling you know my buddy today that we were uh, I was talking to the the guy I told you about I mocked and now I get a breakfast with quite a bit and I said I don't I regret the the past atheism and borderline satanic I said I know I'm forgiven for that I forgive myself for that I said but I'm also to a degree it's beneficial because not only do I now see how real Christ is but I know how real Satan is like. They're both real, like 150%. They both exist. And I, I was under Satan's wing for a long time. You know what I'm saying? I was under his thumb. And now I've seen Christ and I feel Christ working. I see Christ working in my life. Like I know how real both sides are, but I know how dark this side is. And I have a client today that actually I was doing private lessons with. And he told me he was atheist and we had a little 30 minute discussion. And it was almost like talking to myself, super nice guy. This guy is such a nice guy. And I was like, huh? I didn't expect it. Like, you know, I, I was a jerk wagon when I was an atheist. And this guy's like one of the coolest dudes I've met. Like, yeah, I'm an atheist, blah, blah, blah. And like, so we had this, I had to dive into it a little bit and talk to him about it. And it felt like talking to me. Mm. And I told him, I said, I said, I know how real that side is and how gratifying being an atheist and that satanic ways. Because I think satanic ways come in when you're atheist, regardless if you want it to or not. You may not be over there worshiping the devil, but the satanic ways come and you're living off of free will. You're living completely in sin. You're living for yourself, self-gratifying. You we're giving ourselves these personas that we're better and we're entitled. And we we give ourselves this stigma and this status. And we put ourselves on this pedestal. And that's all satanic ways. That's what the devil wants you to do. That's not what God right. wants you to
1: do. Right. Absolutely. So where is, during all this, where is your mom and your stepdad at during all this? My
2: mom is divorced now. My mom, uh, yeah, she's divorced now. So there is no stepdad. She's been divorced about uh, I think nine, 10 years. Okay. My mom, I talked to her, I've been to her more or less. She's not uh, a church goer, but great woman. And she's gotten a lot better with age. You know, I have nothing negative to say. We have a great relationship. It can definitely be better. And I think it will be better with time. But yeah, I see her pretty often. She lives here locally and I see her. I talk to her a few times a week and see her. I try to see her at least once a week. A good deal. Good deal.
1: Now, during this time that you accepted Christ, you got baptized. You're still with the sheriff's department at this time? or had I have not.
2: I, was, I, so I resigned in February of 2020 when I got arrested.
1: So what, was that what led to the, to you, your resigning?
2: Yeah. So I went into an AI and then I had the business, you know, the business is doing great and still is doing amazing, better than, way better than I deserve. That's for sure. And so I just resigned. I could have went into an AI and still been in an AI today, but ultimately just ended up resigning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they is were great to mean? me. The
2: sheriff's office was great. They, they gave me my dog, I, the dog I was working at the time. I raised from a puppy and ended up working on the street. And uh, so they gave my dog and they were, They treated me well. They didn't treat me. They were very much on my side with the situation. It's just, it happens. And looking back now, I don't think law enforcement was a good thing for me. I don't know. You call it mentally weak. You call it, I'm gonna call it mentally weak because I think that anybody who goes to the atheist side is a mentally weak individual because it takes a mentally strong individual to be a Christian, I think, because it's hard. It's not easy. It's very easy and very relaxed being an atheist. And I think it's, I think it's, to people who are mentally weak, and I think being a cop, man, just seeing so much and dog biting all the people I dog bit, I think it just, I think it just pushed me further and further. And just seeing the the dark side, and not not having God to rely on at the time, I think it just really put me in a bad spot. And I think that chapter is closed for me. I don't think I'll ever go back. The opportunities is there if I ever want to go back, but I don't foresee that ever happening. Yeah, I think it's better. And I'm blessed now. The business I make. You run a dog training company. It's a much better life and income, you know? yeah. much more lucrative than being a cop, but it's much less stress. And so it's—I I think that chapter's closed, and I think it's closed for a reason. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I ask God every day for to show me purpose. If there's purpose outside of the business, but if anything, I think as I grow in my faith, one day my a passion I'm going to have later on down the road as I grow is going to be to reach out to atheists. I—I I feel like a lot of people who are Christians don't know the other side as well as they they don't have a personal experience on the other side. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: I'm a lot. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. There's days I wish I had never been on that side because my life today would be substantially different. But being on that side of things, I know why people go there. But I know, I know why people venture over there. And I know why people get stuck there. And I know why people like it there. Yeah.
1: Well, the whole, and you followed me along my journey. We're going to talk about that here in a minute but the whole thing behind the premise of this podcast is we all go through painful experiences. We all from childhood, some people in, in, in the womb, even though they don't know that they're experiencing it, they're still hearing the words. They're still hearing being around that atmosphere. Even a mother on drugs affects the baby, alcohol affects the baby, words, things like that affects the baby. And of course it can stem into our lifehood. And so ultimately it's finding that purpose of the pain that we go through in life. Some of the pain we didn't bring on ourselves. My dad abused me. I I didn't bring it on myself. And now, even though I felt like I was a pretty good kid, I still did stuff that probably brought on some discipline that was definitely well overboard on things. But ultimately that wasn't something that I'm like, Hey, I elect to get beat today. Or even my wife passing away. When the experience that you have on the, I'll, I'll call it the other side that, Non belief side believing that there's not a god, denouncing things, even making fun of people and ridiculing people. Ultimately, deep down inside, you were experiencing a lot of pain. You just didn't call it pain at the time because it was free will, you know, it was your yeah. desire to do whatever you wanted to do until you started to realize, man, this has led me down to a place that I don't want to be anymore. And you were, of course, causing people, the people around you, you were causing pain. You probably didn't recognize it at the time. There's no doubt that you do now, but there's no doubt in my mind that all that that you went through, there's a purpose. There's a greater purpose. And in in Hebrews chapter 4, it it talks about where it says, for we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I don't know what it's like to be atheist. I, I can't sit there. If I wanted to be theological and things like that and quote scriptures and stuff like that, yeah, I can have a conversation with an atheist and tell them how much God loves them. But at the end of the day, it was the experience that you had, not people saying that God loves you, not saying, hey, you need to be in church, not saying that there is a God. None of that changed your life. It was the experience that you had where it's just like, hey, there is a God. I'm about to to pull the trigger, the rest of this trigger on this Glock. And all of a sudden I'm getting these text messages and I'm getting this experience that's happening. There's got to be a God. And the fact that you're sitting there, you, you've gone through it, how to relate. And that's what that scripture is about is the fact that we can't touch what we cannot feel. I don't know what it's like. I, I have no idea to, so, to sit there and have a conversation with somebody that's been on that dark side. I've had dark times, but not to the point of Put a gun to my head, not to the point of self-destruction or drinking myself into, into the next day. And I've had dark times in my life with my, my dad and my mom or my wife passing away all in the same month. That was very dark for me, but probably nowhere considered the darkness that you walked through because in the midst of all that, I was still walking in the light of Christ. And so you're now stepping into what I like to say is your purpose, through all that pain, even though it hasn't been fully exposed, because you're walking through it now. But the fact that today, your lesson with your, your client about when sharing with him, you can sit there and relate, I, I would, I'd be taking notes, I'd be keeping my mouth shut and taking notes where you're sitting there sharing, you know, what you've gone through, because it's ultimately relatable, because who can share the best with somebody than somebody that has gone through it?
2: Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Childhood has a lot to deal with it. We all go through struggles and we all go through experiences. My childhood wasn't all bad, but it seems like the bad things are always the things that stick out. The most vivid memory I have in my mind is that night we left the movie theater in the Thunderbird. I can tell you the clothes my stepdad had on. He had a green hurricane, Miami Hurricanes uh, shirt on, everything. I remember him coming home the next morning wearing the same clothes, all ripped up for my mom. I didn't pull on a shirt. And he's punched my mom. She's all messed up. And so it's the things that the good things don't always stand out. It's the bad things they do. You're right. The, the hurt I cause people, like, I still think about it. I've thought about it today. And there's times it makes me nauseous. Like, the pain I cause the people I care and love about and the way I treated them. And yeah, most of them have forgiven me, but it's still something. I say that I know Christ forgives us. I know we have to forgive ourselves, but I don't think we have to let go of the memories of where we once were or what we once did because it reminds us we're never to go back to. It reminds us of, well, as Jacob Peterson says, that monster that lives up in here, that monster that we need to be terrified of. Everybody has one in their body. We all have a monster. And the whole thing with the suicide, like I was ready to do it. And it all goes back, like I said just a little bit ago, being an atheist is easy and it's for the weak-minded. And committing suicide when you're going through something tough, I didn't have at that time Christ to lean on. I didn't have faith to lean on. At that point in time, I felt like I had nobody. I didn't want to talk to my friends. I was pushing my daughter's mom away. I was. Her mom and dad ultimately are like parents to me. Like I love her parents. They are like a huge support system for me. I talk to them all the time. Amazing people, almost like superheroes to me, honestly. Her mom's like Wonder Woman, her dad's like Superman. So I even pushed them away. Like recently, they were. I was talking to her mom. She's like, "You stopped coming around for a while." Like you, you, like I wasn't. Like my daughter's mom would go there with my daughter, and I wouldn't go. I'd go around on holidays, and that was about it. I didn't want to do with it because I didn't want to be around those people. Like I was feeling like I was. I need to pull myself away from those people. So the whole suicide thing, getting to that point, yeah, it's because it all goes back to being weak-minded. It all goes back to. I remember being a cop, man, and having zero sympathy for these people who were getting Bay and stuff. Cause I was like, Oh, you're weak minded. Who comes to that point? Who, how I love myself. I'd never do that. It was all a facade. It was all a lie. It was all a, this stigma i made up for myself that has some Superman complex. And essentially I was weak minded. I needed help. Like I truly should have been in counseling and therapy years ago. I sh- truly should have had my head pulled out of my rear end years ago in my life today. I live a great life. I have a beautiful home, beautiful. I have all that cool stuff. I'm just now, I'll be 30 uh, next week. I'll be 30 next week. And I'm just now starting my walk with Christ. Just now, I'm I'm sitting in an empty house. My daughter, I'll see her over the next few days. I flushed 13 or 14 years of relationship down the toilet. Hit the button because of my dumb butt. You know what I'm saying? So that's stuff I battle with. But it was all caused by that weak mindset I had, being an atheist, leading that walk through the dark. I always think of it as like being in a brand new room you've never been in with the lights completely off and you're stumbling around aimlessly, bumping into everything, just trying to find your way, trying to find your way, trying to find your way. And at some point in time, you're going to see that little shine of light underneath the door that's closed and you're going to walk towards that. Everybody goes, at some point in time, everybody goes to Christ. I don't care who you are. At some point in time, you're going to go. It may not be till you're on your deathbed and you try to restore your relationship with Christ at that point in time, but. At some point in time, everybody's gonna go to that spot. But it's a great thing. I think also going back to being a cop, you can't, when when you try to be an alpha male and you try to go out there, you solve people's problems and you're always on the front lines with your dog and you're out there finding all these, but you you don't think anything's wrong with you. You like you think you're the toughest person on the planet. You think that you build this complex that when you show up with the dog on a scene where somebody's crazy or somebody ran or this, that, or the other, you're Superman. You get out, you find the guy, the shift gives you high fives, dude goes to the hospital and you're the hero. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that builds something here, especially when you're not walking with Christ. I think if you're walking with Christ, you're going to be okay. Like you say, you know, through your tough times, you still have the light of Christ, but when you don't have that, it starts. That's when the drinking, a lot of cops, it's a lot of cops have alcohol problems. And the ones that I know personally, I still do. I reach out to them pretty often now. And I make mistakes all the time. Like I just told you uh, a month ago, I, I, for two days, I, I relapsed. Dealing with my emotions, mind going a million miles an hour. I drank myself to sleep both nights. Yeah. And then I quickly realized that crap's got to stop again. And I have great accountability partners. I have people who make sure that I'm not, it's good. Like that whole week leading up to that baptism was tough, but now that I'm out of it, it's easy. Like I, I went out there other night with some friends to a brewery. I have no problem saying, no, oh, I don't want a beer. Just give me a H2O on the rocks with a twisted lemon. You know,
1: give me a
2: warm Coca Cola. I don't have any problems with that now, but that week, man, that week was God, really, yeah. That week was rough. Yeah, has right. been of crazy, man. And I'm excited for the journey. It's it's been crazy. It's been looking back. It's like, where what in the heck did you do that for? Like why? Like how could you be? How could you be so blind to just realize to follow these atheist ways? And ultimately, we can call it atheist or satanic. I don't care which one you are. You're following Satan. You are. If you're atheist, you're living an atheist lifestyle and you're following Satan. If you're satanic, that just means you're worshiping Satan. And there was a point where I would say I was borderline satanic. I am a huge proponent of uh, worship through music. That's something I came about recently. And you listen to some of these songs that are out these days. You're like, what in the crap are these kids listening to? So I was listening to uh, Black Sabbath. I was listening to Ghost. I was listening to Marilyn Manson. I was listening to anything dark I could get a hold of and just listening to it. And there's power in Music worship. There's power in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just what power are you gonna to go towards? Yeah. So now let me ask you this, and I've never asked you this, we've talked about it a little bit. You started listening to my story a while back. What did that do to you in, in, in regards to your journey? Because you are not, you're not really prof- you have not started announcing that you're a born-again Christian, that you accepted Christ until recently. So What was going through you when you were hearing my message, knowing that I was sharing my faith? But then also, I'm like, because I I got the question, I was like, why is such a good guy that serves God? Why is God allowing this to happen? What was going through your mind when you heard, when you started to hear my story?
2: So you were a big influence, I sense that you went through, in my opinion, one of the most tragic things you go to. You had a, a newborn baby, and you had other kids, and your wife had just passed away. And right after I, I contemplated um, suicide, you would post things about your wife's birthday or anniversary. Like you'd always post pictures of your family. And to me, that was always like, I would see that. And I'd be like, here's this guy. And I remember when everything happened with you at that point in time, I was in the midst of my darkest times. I'd see it on Facebook. And so as I'm coming out of my stuff and trying to find my way and stumble around that dark room, I remember you posting stuff, man. Like you'd post stuff, pictures of your family, pictures of your wife. And I'm like, I can't even imagine like here, this guy is loses his wife to cancer, is raising his kids by himself. One, that's a baby and you're staying strong. But here I am having to go through all this. And I'm thinking of the most cowardly way out possible, which is to put a bullet in my head and leave my daughter, leave my friends. There was one night you'd posted something. I remember that's probably the first time I ever talked to you. And I just wrote back, you're something like you're an inspiration or thank you for what you do. It's just the strength you had and the strength you showed through the pictures of your family and through your wife that passed away. That was like a huge impact to me. And then Another guy, AJ Morrow. He was uh, with the drinking thing. Man, that dude came from all kinds of nonsense. I mean, he'll tell us. He tells a story openly, talking about it was hardcore on drugs and trouble with the law. And now that dude's doing amazing. He was—he's a counselor. He helps people get away from that lifestyle. And recently, I had a chance to meet him. I was in Tennessee at Justin's place, and he was there. And uh, I talked to the dude. And I opened up to him a little bit. I was like, it's like you were huge you, as far as he, as far as me drinking and all the drinking I was going through." Like, he was a big part for me too.
1: Man, that's awesome. Where do you find yourself now? You're a month into this. What do you feel like God is speaking to you now in regards to your journey and the direction that it's heading?
2: I think right now, the lesson I'm learning is to just let go and stop trying to be a control freak and nothing's in control in our control. God has a plan for everybody. And you just, my best friend always tells me, he says, it's like hanging on the edge of a cliff. You just, it's hard to do, but you just got to let go and fall and just know that God has you. And, that's what I'm learning. I think that's one of my biggest struggles right now is just letting God have complete control of my life and putting everything at the foot of the cross and just letting him battle. I'm so used to battling my own fights and battling other people's fights and getting emotional about something and automatically handling that through aggression or anger or this little thing up here gets to, gets to go. And, and I got to find a solution right now. You know, I've got to fix this today. It has to be fixed right now. It's, I've got to learn to let God have control, and that's the that's my biggest battle today. And uh, even since being baptized, that's been the biggest battle is just letting God have control. And now, when I get you know anxious about something, or my mind gets in my head, or it starts going, learn just to go to prayer. And that's what I've been doing just go to prayer and pray about it, and just know that at the end of the day, God has your best interest at heart. Sometimes it may be tough love, and things you pray for may not work out, uh, but at the end of the day, He has your best interest at heart. And, just following Christ. My goal is every single day to learn something new about God, to build my relationship some way, somehow with God, whether it be reading something. My favorite thing to do lately is I go to my Bible. I had a Bible from 1999, and then at my baptism, my best friend bought me a nice, real nice Bible. I had my name put in everything. So my my favorite thing's been is to go to my Bible and just, I just grab it and I open it and I start reading whatever I go to. That's been that's been amazing. Like some of the stuff I've just went to right off the bat has just been exactly what I needed to hear at that point in time. And it has been awesome. And I feel like I grow in faith each day. And I've got, like I said, a great support system and a great accountability partners every day. They're sending me devotionals and sending me scripture and stuff to read. And it is honestly just, I would say it's to it honestly, it did save my life and it's building my life for the better. Growing through my twenties, I was always so worried about making all this money and having all this cool stuff. And building this business and building that business and all oh, money. And for the first time I can say, like, I'm really not worried about money. And I really don't like, I'm so obsessed with building my relationship with God and fixing my wrongs, like making sure I have everything in place and never go back to that, that, that jerk wagon. I was I'm never going back to that, that place I was at. Cause that place is scary, man. It, it's not conducive to being a good father. It's not conducive to being a good spouse. It's not conducive to being a good friend it's not conducive to being any of that. And unfortunately, to say this, it's a blessing I never got married because I was never in a spot where it had been a successful marriage. I didn't have any foundation. I, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, I always ridiculed people for saying you have to put God in front of your kids and your spouse and your friends and your family. I never understood that until recently. And And now I understand that's the only way to be because without God at the helm, you can, you can't adequately lead your friends. You can't adequately lead your family. You can't adequately raise your child properly. You have to have God in front of everybody and I'm just making sure that's in place. And I continue on this path. And one day I really hope to seek out and talk to atheists and help them and be able to relate to them be like, yeah, dude, listen, I get it. That side is is great. Like it's fun. It's, Everything as human beings on the Maslow's pyramid of needs it satisfies every piece of that, but that's not the way. That's not the way, and that's not the that's the fun way, but that's not the godly way or the way that's truly peace at heart. That's not the way. And you know, as I go on, I, I hope that's what I can do one day is reach out to those people.
1: Yeah. What can you say to listeners that may some of the listeners that may be going through? something similar, maybe not atheist, or maybe they just don't have a relationship with God or just maybe finding themselves in a dark time. Even, even as Christians, we can find ourselves in a dark time. We can find ourselves leaving or, or walking away from the presence of God. How, what can you leave them with to just as encouragement or even direction for them? if They're going through something like what you've experienced.
2: For me with my personality, and this is something I've told a lot of my friends who are in law enforcement You're not too tough for God. Don't ever think that makes you weak. Don't ever be embarrassed to say that you follow God or you're a Christian. I feel like a lot of people think that's weak and there is a God, but there is Satan too. Like they both exist. Like they both are real, really real. You know what I'm saying? They're both there and the one side's easy and the other side's not. And if you're battling to find Christ, take some time, take time every single day and just pray and read the Bible and honestly just I think sometimes as Christians, we run this mouth too much, and we need to just close our mouth and just just be quiet. If you have to be quiet for one, two, three, four hours, I spend a lot of time doing that. There's a lake locally I've been running a lot lately, and um, there's a little park bench, man, where you can go sit. And I'd go sit and look at the lake, and there was a day I sat there for two and a half hours. Just listen, and you're going to hear what you need to hear, and it's going to come to you. If you're in a dark spot, don't ever be scared. And this was a problem I had. Don't ever be scared to seek professional help. Don't ever be scared to go talk to somebody. Find somebody who's a Christian-based therapist who has good Christian beliefs, but don't ever be scared to to get help. And I think I'm speaking to a lot of cops on this is because as a cop, you're tough. You handle everybody else's problems. You're bulletproof. Don't ever be scared to get on the knees and take your battles to God. Battle on your knees and not with your your fists so much and seek out professional help because it's done wonders for me. My, My therapist, he's a he's a Christian, but he'll also look me right in my eye, laugh at me in my face, and tell me no negative so for people out there just huh we need those people in our life oh yeah this guy i'm telling you this guy's a godsend and he's became he's hilarious for one but he's i've never had somebody dissect my mind like he does it's like biology class or something He's just picking it apart and but in in a christian thought out way and the dude's been amazing and so for people out there i guess in a short sense i would say don't be scared to get help don't be scared to not battle things on your own, and this is something I'm still learning greatly, and it has to go with control. Go to God on your knees in prayer and battle that way, and let God have it, because God rather battle it, and He's going to kick butt a lot more. And you're going to kick butt, and just uh, don't get caught up in the atheist ways, man. Don't get caught up in following Satan. Don't get caught up because it's easy to do, and you'll think you're not doing it, and before it, you're full blown into it, and you're like, "How the heck do I get out of it?"
1: Yeah. So. yeah. Lastly, what does the words purpose through pain mean to you? To me, I would say purpose through pain means, I guess
2: it'd be like what I post on Facebook the other day. The pain you go through today is the building blocks for a testimony tomorrow. The situation today may suck. So there's things I'm going through right now today that are eating at my heart. Man, it's, it's horrible, but one day there's going to be a purpose behind it and we're going to see what that purpose
1: is. That's awesome, brother. Seth, thanks so much for being on the show. And I just encourage the listeners to, Seth is a dog trainer there in the Polk County area in Florida. And uh, he does an amazing job out there. If you are out there in that area, you need a dog trained. He is the man to go to. And uh, one of these days we're gonna be able to link up and actually do some training together. Seth, thanks so much, brother. I greatly appreciate you. Hey man, I
2: appreciate you too. Have a good one, Joe. Thanks brother.
0: Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, Please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.